0: Welcome to Feed and Flourish, the bite-sized podcast series from the Closters Forum with me, Hannah McInnes. In this series, I'll be talking to experts about biodiversity and about ways in which we can transform our food systems in order to positively preserve our planet. The Closters Forum brings together thought leaders and decision makers in the Swiss Alps to inspire discussions and cultivate collaborations around some of the world's most pressing environmental challenges.
1: Hi, my name is Jahil Oliver, founder and CEO of Hello Tractor. Hello Tractor is an agricultural technology company that connects uh, agricultural equipment owners to smallholder farmers in need of tractor services, combine services um, to improve their yield, productivity uh, and ease the, the burden of production.
0: Can you tell me a little bit more about Hello Tractor? How did it come about? What is its mission and, and which countries are you working in at the moment?
1: Yeah, so Hello Tractor is uh, a little over five years old and we started the company with a very simple mission. We wanted to improve farmers' yields and we saw farmers' lack of access to tractors as uh, one of the biggest factors contributing to the yield gap that many farmers face uh, in Africa. And so um, we started the company uh, in Nigeria as our first country of operation because Nigeria is such a huge country with a massive population and just so much potential, uh, agricultural potential, Uh, but no tractors um, are being sold in that country at any meaningful scale. So we started there and uh, started with um, some very basic technology, allowing tractor owners to manage their equipment remotely and connect to farmers who are booking for tractor services uh, through our platform. And that very quickly grew uh, in Nigeria and prompted us to expand. We're now in uh, 11 countries in Africa and three additional countries in
0: Asia. You've mentioned some of them, but what are the main and most significant challenges that farmers face, specifically smallhold farmers in Africa and even across the developing world?
1: really across the developing world, farmers plant on plot sizes that are too small to justify owning their own equipment right but so but they so they don't own their own tractors but I think what's surprising to most people is that they also face these labor constraints, right? Because of rapid urbanization, because of aging farm populations, and many of the demographic trends affecting these rural communities, there's just not enough labor to work the land that many farmers have access to. And so they undercultivate, they plant late, and they lose income and farmers need these tractors to avoid these types of outcomes but traditionally they just have not existed at scale uh in these emerging markets and so that's that's really where we see ourselves being a value to these farmers is getting them timely access to tractor services that are reliable and affordable
0: i also noted that You really help women farmers who are disproportionately affected, I think, by these systematic challenges. How does Hello Tractor cater for female farmers and address the gender issues when it comes to farming and development?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. Most of our bookings, um, so farmers don't engage with Hello Tractor directly, they engage through what we call booking agents. These are young people who have. Smartphones who are tech savvy enough uh, to access our application and book on behalf of the farmers in their community that need services, right? And so they play a really important role. And what we found is that by engaging female booking agents, we can do a much better job of identifying and working with female farmers who are the foundation of the agricultural industry, right? So it's not even from a development perspective, it is a fantastic way to reach women farmers. From a business perspective, it's missing, mission critical because women farmers are our customer, right? There's no if and or but buts about it. They are the customer. So you got to figure out creative ways to reach that customer base where they are.
0: That's really interesting. When it comes to the global food system. How do smallhold farmers, men and women, how do they contribute to that?
1: Yeah, so smallholder farmers are largely responsible for the food being consumed within these local food systems, right? The big companies do a really good job of supplying food inputs for these structure value chains, um, and we largely benefit from that. In more developed agricultural markets, but when you go to you know rural communities, peri-urban communities, in um, you know markets across Africa, you know many parts of Asia, most of the, the the people, most of the citizens within these communities are relying on smallholder producers for their um, for their food, and so the smallholders are are really important. And quite frankly, you know, they're the ones who are always impacted most by things like climate change and, you know, disruptions in the market, you know, COVID-19 being one of them, right? When you think about what happens when, you know, as we self-contain to fight this virus that constrains migrant labor, that constrains labor available to, to assist these small producers who are largely reliant manual labor to establish their crop and get their season started and who's going to be affected most by that um, in the second round is going to be the people reliant on that production to feed themselves within these local food systems and so it's, it's something that we're paying very close attention to and thinking creatively about how to get more equipment out to service these farmers during this disruption
0: of course and equipment being what you're all about equipment and mechanization one thing i wonder is it's often associated with progress but not necessarily with conservation and with caring for the planet and keeping the natural order of things can those things mechanization and progress and development go hand in hand with conservation
1: absolutely i mean i think there's there's definitely a smart way to mechanize right where you're maintaining Soil fertility and the long-term health of the land, which also ties to the long-term financial interests of the farmer. And these are things that we practice in our business and and educate the farmers on the importance of things like um, using the chisel plow or strip tilling um, to establish your crop. Make sure you have a successful season, but you protect the biodiversity that lives within the soil. Um, I do think these things go hand in hand, but I think it, it requires a concerted effort and not following the practices of the West, which is already proven to be very destructive um, to you know the the, the longer term health of the planet and and the farms um, that these these individual farmers are relying upon. So we're very mindful of that, and we're doing everything that we can to protect. Um, the short-term interests of the farmer and the long-term interests that we all should care about, which is protecting the planet, um, and it's but it's complicated. And I don't, I don't pretend to make it seem simple because oftentimes the the band-aid to really, really important, really pressing problems like um, food insecurity, poverty, is you know things that are also consequently very destructive to the planet, right? over-mechanizing the overuse of chemicals in crop care, over-fertilizing. And so we have to be clever about how we influence farmers to do what's right for the planet long-term while protecting their short-term interests. And I think sometimes you you do find those win-win scenarios, and that's where we focus our effort.
0: That's so interesting. So you're trying very hard to develop in the right way. And learning from the mistakes that maybe developed countries have made developing and progressing in the wrong way. What does that mean, do you think, for the future for you? What do you see when you look ahead over the next few years and beyond? Well, I think for us,
1: um, what's going to underpin our success in protecting our farmers, both short and long term, is um, first we need to establish the strongest possible relationship with the farmer so they see us as a trusted advisor to them, right? Because there's just so many different fly-by-night groups that are making recommendations around best practices, but these groups aren't sharing in the risk with these farmers, right? And sometimes, you know, you you, you have, there are trade-offs in this world, right? And sometimes what might be good for the planet is terrible for that farmer's balance sheet or and and the income that they're reliant upon. And it's not fair to ask the farmer to make a sacrifice for the world when the world is in that position, not because of that farmer, but because people in more developed markets made very bad decisions and continue to make bad decisions. Um, And so where we think we can be of value, is strengthening the relationship with the individual farmer so that they trust us and that they know that our, t- our futures are, are interlinked. And once that relationship is in place, we can investigate best practices that can create value in the immediate term for the farmer while protecting their long-term interests and the long-term interests of the global community because we're protecting the planet and those are things like strip till um, ripping the soil to break the hard pan for better water resource management i mean there are certain things that are just proven to increase both productivity and farmer income while protecting the planet and that's just where we will narrowly focus but the our success is built on the trust that we can establish with the farmer
0: It's such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for joining us and good luck with your lockdown. And see you on the other side.
1: Yeah, yeah. Be safe out there.